Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett. Hey, former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Lebetard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 181 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast, live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, and we hope you all had a very happy Easter and appreciate you beginning your weekend with us. Guys, if you hadn't already, be sure and hit that subscribe button, whatever form you're listening to, Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever it is, we are there. While you're there, if you could please give us a written review, Love it if you were a little nice about it or if you were a lot nice about it. Give us some star power, preferably five. Help us get our name out there and reach more people. The show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. as always. It's Masters Week, and Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part is it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, it is April. We have made it through almost an entire school year of sports. At this time last year, we didn't know when we were going to have sports again. Like I said, you got the Masters this week. Got well, I guess as this drops to this evening, that on a Monday that we will have the college basketball final. Which I'll tell you, my bracket is busted like everybody else's, but I feel much better <laughs> about the way that we played against Baylor, seeing the way that they played against Houston. They are just uh, really tough to stop. I thought that Gonzaga was going to be Gonzaga, however you want to pronounce it. I thought that they were going to run, not necessarily run through this tournament, but I thought for sure that they are the team to be the next, the first undefeated team since, what was it, the 76 Indiana team. And I'm not so sure that they're not going to do it, but this Baylor team is just loaded on all levels. And not to say that Gonzaga isn't. Jalen Suggs with that incredible shot and that amazing game with UCLA right there had his Kobe moment where he got up on the table right after it happened. Uh, I thought that that was about to go uh, uh, into another overtime, but just a phenomenal game. And, uh, you know, just been a great tournament overall. The fact, And it's that much sweeter, the fact that we get to have it after not having it uh, last year. And, you, you know, we just talk about it every week, how we're so much more thankful, uh, seeing as what we got and, and what we have and and that we have things back to somewhat normalcy. So it's just really great to see. We're going to get into a little spring practice, plus recap baseball and softball's continued success. They're both just on a complete roll. It's like a broken record with them every week. Both squads doing some amazing work. And in our final segment, Fox Sports analyst Aaron Torres is going to join the show to do a basketball recap of the season. Always love uh, getting his insight. And, guys, speaking of spring, 
one of the things that we all love to do is fish. Now, this time of year in, in Arkansas, it's it's baseball and it's fishing when we get a chance to. And it's one of our favorite hobbies with all the lakes and rivers that we are fortunate to have in Arkansas. And the fine folks at Monster Bass have the best new baits from the industry's top brands at affordable prices delivered to your door each month. They handpick the best baits based on where you live and fish, along with providing the top-level customer service. Head over to MonsterBass.com and use code HOG10, H-A-W-G-1-0, to get $10 off your first box. That's MonsterBass.com, promo code HOG10, H-A-W-G-10. So got in, getting into some spring practice here, the biggest topic, as expected, is the quarterback competition. Now, there is a lot of options when you look at the roster from top to bottom, when you look all the way down to John Stephen Jones. I know that uh, that Jack Lindsay is out. A couple of other guys have been gone. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys, but it's really coming down being realistically to K.J. Jefferson and Malik Hornsby. Now, the last time that we knew for sure, or at least that we had a really good feeling of who the starting quarterback was going to be before the 2017 season with Austin Allen. Since then, the two years under Chad and the first year under Sam – you had a really good feel. Well, I guess you could say last year that most people knew that Felipe would be uh, the guy. But this is like the year that you really kind of feel like with what you have coming back, with no grad transfers coming in, I know that we brought in a guy, but I'm talking about you know who is going to be in the quarterback room now, that it's KJ's to lose. I think that KJ showed plenty in the game against Mizzou that he is the guy uh, ready to, to take that next step and be the starting quarterback. Now, if he just completely bombs in practice – if he doesn't do well, I'm not necessarily talking about spring. Uh, you can't really judge a whole lot. In spring, it's really just more about installing things, kind of seeing what you have to set a foundation as you go through the summer, get into sp- to fall camp. And I think that most definitely K.J. did enough in the Mizzou game to show that he at least deserves to be under center or in the shotgun, depending on what play is called, on September 4th when the Razorbacks open up against Rice. I just believe that in a game against a very respectable Mizzou defense, now I understand that their best player was out pretty much the entire second half, but still a very respectable defense for a Mizzou team that had a 500 record to fight for in Elijah Drinkwitz's first year. Of course, two first-year head coaches with Drinkwitz and Sam Pittman squaring off. Uh, that, that he played a great performance. He contributed out of the 48 points. He contributed half of those at 24 with three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Uh, that's not anything to take anything away from Malik Hornsby. I'm glad that we have two quality guys that are going to be just, you would imagine, a dogfight. Not just during the spring, but especially as we get into fall camp, because these are two quality guys, two former four, four stars. Malik, one of the best to come out of Texas in 2021. And then, or I'm sorry, in 2020. And then, of course, K.J. in 2019, the, the best one to come out of Mississippi. I think he was the number one quarterback in Mississippi, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And I'm always really careful. I don't really like to talk about spring practice a whole lot just because, like you said, it, it's just a tiny little measuring stick. It's not really something that you can take to the bank of how the season's going to go. But it always is interesting during quarterback competitions. K.J. seemed to have a pretty good day on Saturday. In the scrimmage, he was 13 out of 22 for 80 yards, had a touchdown. Now, he had a 75-yard touchdown to Mike Woods called back due to an illegal lineman downfield. Uh, so that's, of course, not his fault. But uh, I don't know. I think that uh, you look at Hornsby, he was 9 out of 24, only 38% of his passes, 114 yards and interception. So there's definitely some concern there. But, again, it's spring. 
you got two guys, one guy that's, I think Malik has seen maybe a handful of plays. Now, KJ's had two starts, two or three starts, something like that, in his career, just one last year. And again, a really great performance that he did enough to win the football game against Mizzou. And so, uh, that's the main thing that they're talking about right now. But I, I look as far as uh, spring goes and the quarterback competition. And I know that also, too, that there's a lot of talks about running back with Rakeem Boyd being gone and Traylon Smith being probably – you think about him being the premier guy in terms of returning talent. But there's plenty back. Josh Oglesby is one uh, walk-on that people are talking about. Of course, A.J. Green. Rocket Sanders that they just moved from receiver to put back there. This is going to be a deep backfield. Then you've got a couple of coming in in 2022. Now, that's a long way off. But there's going to be a lot of headlines. I know that whenever the spring game is a week from Saturday on April 17th, it's going to be at 2 p.m. Central Time. You can stream it on SEC Network Plus. And we're not going to have a lot of questions answered there, but we're going to find out probably a lot of young talent of guys that could possibly be in the two deep. So, again, that's going to be on April 17th, a week from Saturday. You can catch that on SEC Network Plus streaming it. And real quick recruiting news, I'm not exactly sure what happened. We don't know, at least at the time that that we are recording, but Faison Wilson, who was initially supposed to commit on Friday at 12 Central Time, he's down to, or he released his final two uh, last Thursday, was Arkansas and Alabama. Again, was expected to commit at noon on Friday. That did not happen. Now, he's a four-star receiver that, if you missed the Friday show, four-star receiver out of Lancaster, Texas, 6'4", 210, and there is a lot of smoke that he is leaning towards Arkansas's way. Now, we don't really know what's going on right now. If he would have committed on Friday, I think that, that he definitely would have been calling the Hogs, but we really just don't know. So that's the update on that. If uh, you guys happen to follow it and uh, didn't really see him go anywhere or didn't really know what was going on with the situation, uh, that's what's going on there. And so I'm going to get into a little baseball really quick now uh, before we get into uh, the talk with Aaron Torres, but – Guys, this baseball team has me feeling good, especially at least as we get, we're into early April. I feel as good about this baseball team as I've felt about any at this point in the season in a long time. And I know that uh, Kevin, of course, normally has his thoughts. He'll be back on on Friday's show. I'm not sure how he is. He was actually there yesterday watching a few of his former pupils that he coached. He was there uh, during the weekend series for, I think, I think it was both Friday and Saturday for the Auburn series. And it was a fight for the Razorbacks. Now, they were able to Auburn was able to escape a pitcher's duel on Thursday night in a two to one victory. Arkansas had to rally both Friday and Saturday. They won both games six to five, including going into the tenth inning Saturday after Christian Franklin walked it off. And you know, outside of, of Caden Wallace, he was six of eleven at the plate and uh, scored three runs, had an RBI, got on base uh, from walking twice. Other than that, you really didn't have guys that lit it up from the plate. Now we've seen this year. Got Wallace has gotten hot. Of course, Franklin's been Franklin. Matt Goodhart came back from not playing in the first couple of games when we were in Arlington. Has done really well. Had a, he was the player of the the co I guess you could say player of the week last week. Has really done great in, in, in his return. We've had multiple guys that have just shown that they can get it done at the plate. Now, sometimes in certain games, you think about Game Three against Louisiana Tech and even Game One against Auburn. Of course, the first game against Alabama where you took the worst butt whooping at least at this point in the season. And I really like where we're at, at least in terms of knowing that if we get in a hole, that we can get out of it. And, guys, you got a, a two-game series matchup on Tuesday and Wednesday. This this week is a huge week for the Hogs because last week you play UCA, took care of them, 
and then you welcome in the Little Rock Trojans on Tuesday and Wednesday. And Chris Curry, he does a great job there. People forget. Actually, I don't think that they forget. Just two years ago, around this time, it was early, I think, April 2nd, April 3rd, that Little Rock uh, beat, the, beat the Razorbacks 17-7. to Now, it turned out not to really matter because the Razorbacks turned around and went back to the College World Series that season. But this is not going to be just a, a series that you can roll over. Now, Little Rock is going to want to come in and take care of business. And then you've got the really big matchup, which is going to be a top-five matchup against Ole Miss this weekend in Oxford, which will determine a lot because you went to Mississippi State and you did exactly what you're supposed to do in a two-and-three matchup. You swept the weekend, completely took care of business. That was enduring a storm on, on the – I believe it was the Saturday game that you got things going back in the seventh. If you go to Oxford and you, you go and not even necessarily have to sweep them, but if you at least win the series in another top-five matchup, that's going to put you – I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a team that's had the kind of wins that the Razorbacks have had uh, this year. So that's the way that I look at it is there's, no, there's going to be no love lost. We know that. There is one thing that has remained consistent. Now, old-school Razorback fans, or if you want to use the more polite term, I guess wiser Razorback fans, they hate Texas. The younger generations, they hate LSU, but the even younger generations, and even I would say people around my age, early 30s, 100% just hate Ole Miss and everything. And I think the one underlying thing is, is there's that big rivalry in baseball because we've played each other in Super Regionals, and that's the one sport that we both are pretty much consistently in the top five, top ten. So you know there's going to be a lot of talk on Twitter. You know there's going to be a lot of talk on social media in general. There's probably going to be some shade thrown between the players. This is going to be a feisty matchup. And if you go on the road and you do what you've – you just continue to take care of business, whether it's coming back from from a, a deficit or whether it's going off and starting like you did against game one at Mississippi State and you get off to a three, four run lead in, in the first inning. Guys, I mean, we're, I think our pitching is really picking up. I really like – I know Zeb didn't have the greatest game uh, on Friday, but I like what Lockhart's doing. I like what all these guys – once this thing gets together, especially Kevin Copps, I think without question is the, is the most improved player on this team. I don't really think there's any debate on that. Just with what he's been able to do, he struggled in the first game when he came in. I think it was against Texas Tech, and then ever since then has just been money. Um, <laughs> he struck out 11 of 19 batters, faced in 19 innings. And again, uh, one of the best, most improved in the country, or well, on the team, but for sure the country, and maybe the nation's best setup man, or at least one of the better ones. Jackson Wiggins doing some really good things. We're finally getting some consistent, let's see, I think Ryan Costu is really kind of starting to come around. We are getting some consistency right there in that bullpen. And speaking of consistency, Softball uh, have now won and swept all four of their SEC series this year. We mentioned Friday that Braxton Burnside broke the single-season home run record. They're shooting for the stars right now, uh, literally and figuratively, um, at the plate and just in general in their season. Coach Diefel just cannot be said enough, uh, the job that she has done. Just an incredible – what she took over – you literally talk about building from the ground up. We've talked about what her and Coach Neighbors have had to do with their programs. You know, we bring them up because we cover those teams that we had the coaches on our show, and uh, just just nothing short of phenomenal what them and and here's our weekly pat on the back for all the sports programs, just what they have all been able to do this year. And so, uh, real back quick to baseball, really quick. That's a Tuesday and a Wednesday series with the Little Rock Trojans on SEC Network Plus. So you can stream that the Tuesday game, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Time, and then the Ole Miss series, game one Friday at 6 p.m. 
Saturday, 4 p.m., Sunday, 1.30 p.m. And it's very sad. Well, I guess we at least get one game. I know they try to put one game from as many series as they can, meaning SEC Network. But we get the, the network on Friday night and then have to stream them on Network Plus on Saturday and Sunday. So that will complete uh, another what we expect to be an action-packed and hopefully really g- great week uh, for the Razorback baseball team. And so in our final segment next up, we talk with Fox Sports' Aaron Torres. You're listening to the Hog Talk podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line podcast network. Are you one of the millions of Americans who suffers from anxiety, feelings of worry, or just dread beginning a new week? Sunday Scaries products are here to help you stay chill and mellow. Visit sundayscaries.com to check out the vitamin-boosted gummies, hemp oils, and much more. There is no risk to buy, and the company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee, meaning if the product is not for you, you'll get your money back. Again, it's sundayscaries.com, and use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 25% off. sundayscaries.com, promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Make your outdoor experiences even better with Canon sunglasses. Their Japanese optics make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, plus the Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KANONCAST15 at KANON.com to receive 15% off of your first pair. That's K-A-E-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. KANON, clearly better. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland here with you. Now joining me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is host of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast and Fox Sports Analyst, my guy, Aaron Torres. AT, look forward to talking with you as always. And I'll ask you first off, has your bracket been able to hang on as we head into uh, the final weekend here? Well, it's really funny, Kyle. Um, you know, I will tell you, you know, my, my, my bracket was in really bad shape coming out of the first weekend, but you know, I had Houston in the final four. I had Baylor in the final four. I had Gonzaga in the final four. Um, and I had Arkansas in the final eight. Uh, you know, I, I, I said on selection Sunday and I was mocked by many that I thought the bracket was good for Arkansas. I liked to match up with Texas tech. I liked to match up with Ohio state that never happened. 
Um, and, you know, so listen, I, I live in L.A. I can't lie. I did not see the USC UCLA thing coming. But as weird as it sounds. So so now I'm in a little bit of a, a pickle here, Kyle, because, you know, I ran this bracket pool and, you know, like. I don't think I'm going to win it, but I don't think it's inconceivable. And like, I can't give myself first prize in my own bracket pool. Can I like, that's a you know, talk about a first, first world problem here, but let me look to see if it's updated since we, uh, since last night, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. So I am currently in, no, I'm in 12th place. I, I don't think I'll, I'll make, you know, I have to, I have Gonzaga winning it all. So I have to assume that there's too many people, um, you know, in front of me that, that, uh, you know, have the same, so I probably won't win it, but talk about a first world problem. You win your own bracket pool where you're giving away these great prizes. So, uh, I guess, you know, I guess, uh, whatever. So, well, technically if it's your bracket pool, then it's, it kind of goes back to like the house rules for beer pong back in college. You can probably make up your own rules to where you can win it. I would imagine. Well, it's really funny because, you know, if I won it, I will tell you straight up, like I would just give the prize to the second, third winner. You know, the, the two top prizes were pretty sweet, but I will tell you, my wife was, was, uh, in pretty good shape to win it. Now, you know, she's one of these, uh, you know, she, she's a doll. She's a peach. How do I say this? But, you know, she just picks literally every higher seated team. And so, you know, I think Michigan losing the other day really hurt her because she did have Michigan and Illinois in the final four, but that was a big thing. She's like, uh, you know, 10, maybe not 10 days ago, but probably about, you know, 72 hours ago. Well, you're going to give me the, you're going to give me the gift card if, if I win. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you still got to win this thing. But yeah, so there was almost a uh, turmoil in the Torres house because she was in pretty good shape to win it. But now, um, she did have Michigan in the final four. So I do think them losing probably cost her a little bit last night. So I, th- that's one fire I won't have to put out, Kyle, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, and with you living in LA, I wanted to ask you, I can imagine that you probably were not quite as shocked as most of us, like for instance, here in Arkansas, I know that a lot of us really never stayed up late and watched the PAC 12 games or really yeah. just didn't pay attention to the PAC 12 a whole lot. And they have had the best performance of an, as an entire conference in the tournament. Are you more surprised with how well they did or how disappointing the Big Ten was? You know, I first of all, Kyle, I'll say this. And by the way, we can talk as much Arkansas as you want. I know you, your fans probably want to mostly talk Arkansas. But I'll say, you know, I think the two stories are intertwined. And it was really interesting because going into the Elite Eight where USC and, and UCLA and Oregon State were all there, you know, I had a couple of people ask me like, okay, if none of these five, if none of these Pac-12 teams make it, but let's also on the flip side say that Michigan had made it, would you say that it's a, a success for, for the Big Ten because they got a Final Four team? And, you know, I, I think it was a colossal failure. I'll say this, and, and Kyle, so I'm a big, you know, I'm not an analytics guy. I think analytics play an important role. I think we have now let analytics, you know, take over everything and make decisions for us. And I don't like that. Um, And I think to me, it's clear that this net thing is broken. The net thing that we use to determine seating and everything, because, you know, first of all, I get it. It was a weird year. There's no out of conference games, all that stuff. But when one conference repeatedly uh, overachieves relative to its seed, Oregon, uh, the PAC 12, Oregon, USC, UCLA, and one conference underachieves uh, the Big Ten. I don't know how you can say that this net metric that we're using, that we are now leaning on so heavily to determine and seed teams is working. And so, you know, it's one of those things, Kyle, where 
I don't have all the answers. And, you know, that's one of the things about me. And I think anybody that listens to my work or follows my work knows I'm not one of these that likes to complain about everything without having an answer. But I think we really have to really take a strong look at how we evaluate these NCAA tournament teams. And the example I've used really quick, and I'll throw it back to you, um, you know, Oregon finished the regular season. So coming out of the Pac-12 tournament, they were the Pac-12 regular season champ in 20 and six overall. Okay. If Kansas was 20 and six overall and the, the big 12 regular season champ, we would have been talking about them as a number one seat. If Duke was 20 and six in the ACC champ, we would have been talking about them as a number one seed. Oregon has that resume and is a seven seed. And I think it goes without saying they outperform that seed line, but one, it's not fair to Oregon Two, It's not fair to the team that they, they ultimately beat, which of course uh, was Iowa in the second round of the tournament. And so this is all a long winded way of me saying, I think the committee just completely whipped on the PAC 12. Uh, and I do hope that we kind of look at this net ranking stuff, because I, I think it's pretty clear that whatever we thought it was supposed to do, it did not actually do this year. And now getting into Arkansas. So the last time that you and I spoke, it was Mizzou and Alabama. Alabama pretty much was the favorite almost from the beginning of the SEC season. They just tore through the conference, it seemed like, for the most part. And after that, it was basically a toss-up. I know Florida, Arkansas, LSU, there was a couple others that were in there that some would argue were some of maybe the three, four, five, the third, fourth, and fifth team. And how? what can you say about this coaching? I know that you've been praising of Coach Musk for years, but the way that this coaching staff was able to come together to get these guys to buy in, overcome the adversity that they were going through, and ultimately be the last team standing in the NCAA tournament, just did you expect to see all of that happen? Well, you know, something you and I were talking about off air before we started um, and something I talked about on my podcast on, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning when my, my latest show came out is that, you know, I, I think that as frustrating as it is, um, you know, uh, you know, as frustrating as it is for an Arkansas fan to, to get that far and, and not make it there. I think it, we have to remember that to your point, Kyle, it wasn't long ago that, you know, not only you and I. But I think we as a college basketball community were kind of sitting there saying, OK, if I was getting asked every Arkansas game, will they make the tournament, not Sweet 16, not Elite Eight, not the fringe of the Final Four? Will they make a tournament? And so to answer your question, I think it was an incredible testament to the players on that roster. I think it was obviously an incredible testament, excuse me, to Coach Muss and his staff and everything that they did. Um and so, you know, I'm really excited about the future, but I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot your question. I, I know we, I, I don't want to duck your question. What was the exact question, Kyle? I'm sorry. It was basically just talking. You were essentially answering it. I was just saying, okay. did, you expect, did you expect them to get to the point that they did? I know that whenever you and oh, I yes, talked yes, the yes. last time, we, I think I had asked you if, if I thought that you believed that they could finish in the top four from where they're at at that point. Yeah. Did you expect them to basically be the second best team in the SEC and ultimately be the last SEC team standing in the tournament? No, and that, that's where I, that's where I think I was going to get to if I ever remembered what the question was. But, um, but no, I mean, you know, when you and I spoke, I thought they were a tournament team. They, they, they looked and felt like a tournament team to me. But obviously when we spoke and whatever it was late January, early February, I don't think there's any thought that I had that this is a, 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 you know, playing to go to a final four team. 
But what I would also say is, you know, this is a great thing about all sports, not just college basketball, is you get to watch the evolution of a team over an entire season. And they were clearly peaking towards the end of the regular season. You know, they had success at the SEC tournament. And, you know, one thing I'm not saying I'm right on all my predictions. I'm not even saying right. I'm right on some of my predictions. I'm probably right on more, you know, I'm more wrong than I am right. But when I saw that um, bracket come out, you know, there is a tweet that is still out there. I said, I really do like to Arkansas's draw here. Um, you know, Texas Tech is a team that I watch closely. You know, I have a couple buddies that are professional gamblers, and we always used to kind of joke about, you know, the three of us were, were waiting all year for, for Texas Tech to figure things out, and they never did. And so I'm just bringing this all up to say that, um, you know, I saw the draw and I said, I think Arkansas matches up well with Texas Tech. I thought they matched up well with Ohio State in a game that obviously never happened. Um, so so it, it's kind of a two-part question. Um, yeah, or two-part answer, I should say, is I would I would have been surprised if you had, you know, certainly if you had asked me, you know, late January, early February when we recorded last, if I thought Arkansas would be the last SEC, SEC team standing, I would have said, you're crazy. But on the flip side, you know, as the season evolved and as the bracket came out, I was like, I think this team has a really good chance. And so I think that's exactly what happened. And then unfortunately what happened was they just ran into a better team. And, and you know, I don't know what the buzz is in the state, uh, Kyle. I know you live there. But listen, you know, what, what, what sucks about this tournament, but what is also in many ways rewarding about this tournament is that, you know, sometimes you do just run into a better team. And, you know, I, I think that there's sometimes where we in the media – we want to spend so much time overanalyzing and, you know, what does this mean? And if, if we had done this and J.D. Note falls out, it's like sometimes you do just run into a better team. And I'll just give you a quick example. I'm a UConn alum and my, my alma mater actually lost in the first round of the tournament. But I watched every second of that game and I said, we were not the better team tonight. We did not deserve to win. And I'm not happy about it, but I think there's some kind of semblance of, of peace of, you know, okay, we didn't win because we didn't deserve to win as opposed to being say an Alabama who, you know, you know, whatever they were 11 for 25 from the free throw line. And, and I think I, I'm, I'm going a lot of different directions, but I bring it up because I, I have to feel like Arkansas fans kind of feel more like I do as a UConn alum saying, you know what? damn, it sucks, but damn, is Baylor good. They were the better team. They were the deserving team. We didn't do anything wrong. Coach Muss wasn't out coach. We didn't have a weird foul call go our way. We didn't have, uh, you know, a, a twisted ankle. There's nothing that we can sit there and say that, that like, yeah, you want to win every game and you want to be playing to, to, to win a national championship. But I don't think an Arkansas fan comes out of that Baylor game saying, you know, something happened that kept us from winning that game, if that makes sense, you know? Definitely. And one thing I wanted to ask you next is, so Wednesday we found out that Desi Seals, a holdover from the Mike Anderson tenure, uh, decided that he was going to enter the transfer portal. We don't believe that that's going to be the last one out at the time that we're recording. Of course, uh, you know, you, things could happen at the drop of a hat, especially yes. with the way that the transfer portal is, which we'll get there in a second. But Connor Vanover's one that you're really going to pay attention to because there were times this season that he really seemed like he was finding his way. Then you get into the NCAA tournament. Now, he, only, he didn't play a whole lot in the SEC tournament, then saw four total minutes against Colgate and then no more in the rest of the three games. Do you think that maybe he could possibly branch? Now, I know that you're not in his head. You don't know this. But do you feel like that maybe he could branch out and possibly transfer again or that he could eventually find a spot in Eric Musselman's system, maybe gaining a little bit of weight or just another year in the program, whatever it may be, that could possibly get him fitting into to the game plan? 
Yeah. You know, um, first of all, you know, it's really funny because, you know, I just kind of put out a, a tweet in passing when I saw that Desi was leaving. And listen, I, I know that you all Arkansas fans are really, um, you know, bummed that he's leaving. But obviously, look, you know, obviously his role changed as Devo Davis emerged. And let's be honest, you know, Coach Moss isn't going to rest in the transfer portal. But it was funny because I had somebody, you know, I, I said something about, you know, the offseason upheaval begins at Arkansas. And I had one fan say, uh, uh, is one player leaving an upheaval? And I'm like, so you claim you're an Arkansas fan, but do, do, you, do, you, do you think Desi Sills is the only player that's going to come and go from this roster the entire offseason? Well, you're speculating, Torres. I mean, I, I mean, I am, but but am I really? I mean, you know, Eric Musselman has a track record of four, five, six years now, you know, he's not com- afraid to completely flip a roster. I'm not saying that he will, um, but I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of changes over the next three, four, five weeks. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, you know, you and I, when we do this next, uh, whether it's in late April, early May, June, July, the start of the season, whatever it is, you know, it's going to look like a different roster. And so to answer your question, you know, Connor Vanover is another player that I've heard as well. Um, you know, I don't know all the dynamics. Obviously, it would be his second transfer. He already sat out a year. I don't know what him and his family, if, if they're keen on, you know, being a role player next year, having to potentially sit out again, having to start over fresh again. I don't know what him and his family want. But I will also say that very naturally, I mean, he is kind of a guy that you kind of look at and say, you know, I I don't know, I'm not going to accuse the coaching staff of forcing him out or vice versa. But, you know, I also just think like, let's be honest, you know, we, we know where basketball is going. The seven foot center, I mean, seven foot three center, even when that guy can hit an open jumper. I mean, it's just hard to play a guy like Connor Vanover. And so he's one that, you know, I, I don't ever do. And it's really funny, right? Because, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day in, in college basketball, but, you know, we work in the media and we get, you know, tips all the time about this guy's thinking about leaving or this guy's thinking about going pro. I'm just the type of person. I don't ever put stuff out there until it's official. I would never, you know, speculate on who will hit the portal because it's not fair to them. It's not fair to their family. Maybe a player is willing to take a smaller role to, to stay at the state school. Maybe a player does want a bigger role, even if they're the starter or the fifth man or whatever. It's really funny. I was talking to a, a, a really, you know, prominent head coach on, uh, on Wednesday afternoon. And, and he said to me, he goes, it's tough because, you know, you look at your team and the fourth man wants to be the number one guy. It, you know, it, it used to be the eighth, ninth, 10th guy transferred. Um, but now, you know, the, the, the third and fourth guy want to be the one and two guy. And if they don't see a path to doing it, they might end up and end, end up in the portal. Um, and so I only bring it up, Kyle, to say, I don't know what Connor Vanover's end, end game is. Maybe he wants to be a hog. Maybe that this is his dream. Maybe he's willing to take a smaller role. But I will also say, based on how he was used late, it does kind of make sense for him to be a logical guy that could potentially be pursuing other options this offseason. And as we both know, Coach Moss uses the transfer portal religiously. He's going to do it this year just like yeah. he always does. And you've got guys like Xavier Pinson that Razorback fans really have their eyes on. Of course, we've played him quite a few times uh, against Missouri. And I think as of right now, it's it, the rumors are that it's Auburn and Arkansas that seem to be his top two. That seems to be the speculation at least. But then also the entire Florida roster, it seems like, has put their names in. But that's just it's to true. name a few there. Yeah, you, you the way just, you said 
said it was funny. It yeah. cracked me up, but it's, it's true. It's 100% yeah. true. You're I mean, not telling a lie, man. You're not telling a lie. Yeah, there's like four or five. I mean, so basically an entire starting lineup, essentially. But, there, you, I mean, I'm actually scrolling it right now as we're looking through this, and it, it seems to get longer and longer every single year, regardless of what sport it is. But what kind of chaos do you – I know, and again, like I said a second ago, it's still extremely early. You know, we're not even quite to the end of the season yet, but – how much chaos do you see in the transfer portal with the way that things are in a COVID year compared to the way that they normally are? Well, I see chaos like, you know, chaos in, you know, Kyle Sutherland uh, on Dixon Street on a Friday night with Baker Mayfield kind of chaos. That's the kind of chaos that I see. No, you know, what I'll, what I'll say is a couple of things is, is, you know, first of all, I will tell you this. I have been an advocate for years. My stance has never changed on this is that, I believe that a player should be able to transfer and be immediately eligible if the coach gets fired, if the coach leaves, if there's a coaching change. And I think everybody else should sit out. I really do. I don't think it's the worst thing. I'll give you an example. And Arkansas fans know this well. Davion Mitchell, who I think you could argue has been the best player in the NCAA tournament, he sat out for a year when he got to Baylor after he transferred from Auburn. And I don't think it's hurt him too much. And so I bring it up because I laugh at, you know, I, I see so many media members that for years have been, oh, players, player rights, they should be able to do whatever they want. And I'm not saying that I want any, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old kid to be put in a bad situation or be taken advantage of whatever. But I also think I, I've never been a, you know, college athletes have it as bad as most people say. And so my stance has been, pretty much the same, but I do think it's funny that we're now seeing, you know, media members that for years, Oh, players should be allowed to leave and transfer if they want. They're now complaining about how crazy the transfer portal is. And it's like, well, guess what? When you, you basically tell someone you can do whatever the heck you want. Those people are going to do whatever the heck you want. And Kyle, I'll take it a step further. I'll use another Kyle Sutherland example, your beautiful lady that you live with and you love and you adore. If she says, Hey, I'll tell you what you go out on Dixon street Friday night you do whatever you want. You don't have to tell me there's no repercussions. Maybe you're a great guy, Kyle, and you say, you know what? I'll just stay in on Friday night and we can watch The Notebook and have a great time. But maybe you go to Dixon Street because she kind of told you like, hey, there's no repercussions, you know? And so that's, the, that's where the transfer portal is right now. The players, there is no repercussion to just putting in your name to gauging interest. And so I think it's it's a number of variables that have led to this record number of players entering the portal. Um, you know, listen, I, I think it's disingenuous to just throw out numbers, but part of it is all of these players have an extra year of eligibility. So like Kellen Grady, who committed to Kentucky, who's averaged like 18 points per game over a four-year career at Davidson, he has an extra year of eligibility. And he said, you know what? Screw it. Let me try out. Let me see how things are at Kentucky. Normal year, that kid cannot play an extra year of college basketball. So there's that. There's the fact that I think everybody believes the one-time transfer rule is going to allow everybody to be eligible next year. Um, we have a circumstance where, like I said, players are just entering the portal just to see what the reaction will be and what kind of interest there is in them. Um, and finally, you, you mentioned this, Kyle, and I think it's an important part. You have a COVID year where, you know, things don't go great. It's tough. You know, I was talking to somebody about this today. Like, I don't think anybody really had that much fun this year. I think even Gonzaga and Baylor, like, yeah, they probably had more fun than Vanderbilt and Texas A&M. But I, it wasn't, you know, Gonzaga didn't get to enjoy this season the way that a normal team did. And so I think a lot of these kids that you see entering the portal is just like, dude, you know, my team sucked. 
I didn't play well. My coach was up my butt. Um, I could, I had no getaway. I couldn't hang out with my girlfriend. I couldn't go to parties. I wasn't playing in front of 20,000 people. Like, I'll just give you an example, you know, a Michigan state point guard rocket Watts entered the portal. And, you know, like, I, I don't want to speculate, but I've been told part of it is like, I think it just really sucked to play at Michigan state this year. We know how tough Tom Izzo is on his players. Um, you're not winning at the level you're expected to win at Michigan state. So people are on your butt from that regard. Um, you don't have an outlet. And so he's like, dude, I, you know, I just want to, I just don't want to be here. And so I think all of those factors have led to this insane portal. I know I'm just talking like 12 straight minutes with no stop here, but um, you know, I, I think all of those factors have led to this just insane portal that we're seeing. Um, I don't think it slows down here for frankly, probably another what, three, four, five weeks. Uh, and I think we're going to see rosters completely flipped uh, at, at, you know, at many, many, many high major schools. Obviously, Arkansas is one of the notable ones. Eric Musselman has always recruited the transfer portal. But I, I think this transfer portal stuff is going to get crazy, and I think there's a number of reasons why. And I wanted to get your take before we get out of here. On uh, I, I don't feel uncomfortable asking you this question because I know you were extremely outspoken, particularly this summer, about all the COVID stuff and everything about uh, you know whether or not we were going to have whether or not we were going to play at all, but also have fans and all that stuff. But what did you uh, think of Kim Mulkey's comments uh, about the uh, the not testing and all that stuff? I'm just curious. You know, honestly, it's unpopular. I I, th- I thought they were brave. I really did, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I, I said this, you know, uh, before the tournament started and I'll be honest, uh, you know, I don't delete tweets often, but I thought my tweet kind of didn't really fully reflect what I wanted to say. And it was a busy night and I didn't have time to defend myself, you know, but, but before the tournament, we're making this big, you know, charade about sister Jean. Oh, sister Jean, she's going to be in Indianapolis supporting her team. I think it's great. I'm super glad that sister Jean is in Indianapolis. But why are we going to have a 101-year-old woman traveling across state lines, sitting in the stands with, with you know, her team? But we can't let an 18-year-old play if he tests positive. That doesn't really make sense to me. And so, you know, I, you know, my belief, Kyle, with all this stuff, listen, I don't want anybody to get sick. I don't want anybody to die. I know people that have been inflicted by this virus. I know people that have been hospitalized by this virus. But it just seems like we're officially at the point where there's no rhyme or reason to any kind of decision-making that that's going on. And what I would say is from the NCAA tournament perspective, I actually sort of get it. You know, these policies were put in place in September, October, November, when the world was a much different place, when there was no vaccine. I mean, we're now at the point where, I don't know what it's like in Arkansas, but in most places, you know, one, the people that need the vaccine are able to get it. But beyond that, you know, we're at a point where just about anybody that wants the vaccine can get it. And so, you know, I just sit there and say, you know, we don't have very much proof that um, there's on court transmission, there's on field transmission in football or baseball or lacrosse or golf or whatever. And so to me, I think you should let the players play. I don't think we need to be testing these guys every day. And, you know, if you do test positive, okay, maybe you pull them out of the tournament, whatever. I think the NCAA has done an incredible job of making sure that there's limited contact tracing, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to lie. You know, if, if, you know, Davion Mitchell tests positive tomorrow at Baylor, I don't think that it's a health threat to just let him play in the final four on Saturday Maybe that's an unpopular opinion. You know, maybe you and I will both get some tweets from me saying that. But I give Kim Mulkey credit because, you know, what I find, Kyle, covering college sports, 
there's a select few that can really say how that uh, let me let me let me backtrack and I'm, I'm rambling but let me backtrack with the transfer stuff okay if you polled coaches in college basketball about the transfer stuff 90 probably i would guess about 99 percent would say it's out of control the one, we should not have a one-time transfer rule the problem is nobody can say that publicly because you'll get crushed and you won't be able to recruit. If Eric Musselman said, I don't believe that players should be immediately eligible, you know who's going to use that against him? John Calipari, Rick Barnes, Nate Oates, Penny Hardaway, everybody in that region. I'm not saying that's Coach Musselman's opinion. I'm just saying it's that that's how it would be perceived. And so there's a very select few coaches in football, in men's basketball, and in women's basketball that can actually say how the how the general consensus feels. And and I feel like Kim Mulkey really feels like this is what needed to be said on behalf of her sport. And I actually give her a lot of credit for it because, you know, if if um, you know, if Nate Oates says that he gets crushed, right? He got crushed for saying it when he criticized Coach K. But if Coach K says it, it carries weight. And Kim Mulkey is one of the few people in women's basketball, her voice carries weight. And so I actually thought it was pretty brave of her to make those comments. I really did, Kyle. No, I, I thought you you hit the nail right on the head. I, I think that it's pretty spot on. And I mean, I, th- I think you've been pretty spot on throughout the entire thing. I mean, you've definitely not uh, made it. You, you haven't made light of it, but at the same time, you've also made a point of exactly why we should be playing and why. And it just shows that. Now that we have played pretty much entire seasons of football and almost basketball now uh, that these policies have worked. And, and it's, it definitely no. has, had, has had its moments. But overall, um, you know, I think you were spot on. Well, thank you, man. And, dude, it's it's so funny because there's so many people that that off the record will tell you stuff. But, like, let's just go back to those Nate Oates comments. I mean, you know, and, and I haven't talked to Coach Oates about this. But, you know, if, for people who don't remember, essentially – Coach K was saying, well, we can't, we should, we should postpone this season until May. Well, Kyle, we're down to four teams. This tournament's been awesome. And I mean, in theory, would it have been awesome to have full stands in May? Maybe, but I don't, would we have had full stands? I mean, Indianapolis is a beautiful city. They got the Indianapolis 500. I don't know if people are showing up on a Tuesday to watch Arkansas Colgate. I don't know, you know? And so, um, you know, NATO's comments were basically like, for the mental health of our players, for the physical health of our players, we need to keep playing games. And so, you know, for people that are new to my work or listening to me for the first time, you know, I, I've never said this isn't a serious virus. All I said was, you know, uh, you know, everything in life is, is a push pull, you know, risk reward type deal. And to, you know, and the other thing too, about college basketball really quick, and I promise I'll wrap, you know, college, these college basketball players, they're the only ones that had their season taken away from them last year. Obviously the NBA was different. The NFL, major league baseball, college basketball did not crown a champion in 2020. And so to take away last season from them to take away 2021, potentially, it just wasn't fair. And the players know the risk and Kyle, I know you're super plugged in. You know what these players had to go through. You know, the limitations on what they can do and where they can go. And let's be honest. I mean, most of these players, even in the tournament, they couldn't really leave their hotel room except, you know, I know Arkansas went to the zoo one day, you know, whoopty freaking do. Um, you know, it's just, it's been a tough year for everybody and, and canceling things and, and hiding under the covers was never the answer. The opt-out was always an option. Everybody got the extra year of eligibility. Coaches could opt out if they wanted to. And so, yeah, man, I, I, I've rambled long enough. I've stolen enough of your airtime, but it's just like, 
you know, just damn, man. It's just, you know, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Know, so. I wonder if uh, Coach K, if he would have had a few more uh, wins in the column there, if he would have been saying the things that he was saying. But, you know, it is Dude, what it, it no. is. What it is. Well, listen, <laughs> I didn't know I was doing an interview with Nate Oates, but that was what Nate Oates said. And yeah. I think he was, he was on something. You know, I think yeah. it's easy, you know, and let's use some parallels from football. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh fought harder for the season than anybody in the Big Ten. Scott Frost fought harder for the season than anybody in the Big Ten. Jim Harbaugh didn't play an Ohio State-Michigan game. And, like, part of it was because they were fighting for the season in August, and all of a sudden they're three and, you know, whatever, two and whatever, or one and whatever. I don't remember what Michigan was. Um, but, like, all of a sudden those guys aren't as excited excited to show up at the facility at 6 a.m. to get their daily testing. And all of a sudden, maybe, you know, you do hit that party. Maybe you do go, uh, you know, meet up with your friends that aren't in athletics. And so, you know, I, I think Coach K was dealing with some of that at Duke is like, you know, I got a bunch of freshmen. I don't know that they're really invested. My team isn't very good. It's always easier to be invested when you're having success. Again, we talked about Michigan State a minute ago. The flip side is Gonzaga. The flip side is Baylor. But the, the, the opposite is Duke basketball, Michigan football, Tennessee football. Um, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that at the end of football season, the programs that were really struggling, that were not living up to the expectations in the preseason were the ones that were having trouble fielding a team. I mean, Vanderbilt basically couldn't put, you know, 22 guys on the field, 11 on offense and 11 on defense, because by the end of the year, their players were like, screw this. My coach is getting fired. We suck. I don't want to do this. Um, and so I think Duke dealt with a little bit of that, but you know, that that's another conversation for another day. We got ourselves an NCAA tournament. I don't want to complain. I'm obviously over the moon at how awesome this college basketball season has been, but like, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think, I think coach K's opinion is a lot different if he is, you know, uh, you know, 11 and one in late December when he made those comments, as opposed to five and six or whatever it was. Well, hey, and we've gotten a college basketball season, and now we're to your favorite time of the year, college baseball. I know that's what you uh, – Let's you go. Try. How's that hog pen looking this year? Oh, Is dude, John we, Neighbors still like uh, – I worry about John Neighbors with that hog pen wide open. So. Neighbors has been – so he'll be he'll be back at it now that basketball's over. He was with Ty and all those guys uh, in Indianapolis, of course. But I'm sure he'll be back at it. But, yeah, man, it's the, our baseball season so far has been going great. We got spanked. 16 to 1 Alabama in the opening night of SEC play but since then uh, we've been doing pretty good swept Mississippi State on the road uh last week That was one was, versus two, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, the two versus three. There so you go. Yeah, it kind of just depends okay. it depends on what poll you're looking at, but yeah, that most of them have Vandy number 1, but it's going pretty oh, well, Vandy. Man, but Lighter and the other kid, right? Lighter and what's the other kid? Uh so Kumar uh Rocker. Tracy, yeah. yeah, Kumar Rocker. Yeah. Mr. No hitter, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he'll be the number one overall pick. He he's he's incredible. So wait till you, my man. Well, Always at least Vandy's good in something. Congrats to them. Yes. They don't ab- suck in everything. It's absolutely, incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. But man, it's always good talking with you as always. Appreciate you coming on, doing a, a basketball recap that we that we did get to have a season, man. Like you said, it's just uh always good stuff. But but AT, appreciate you, man. Have a good one. We'll talk to you down the road. No, Kyle, I always appreciate you having me, man. And, uh, dude, fun season. It's going to be a wild off season as we discussed, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Definitely, definitely. Well, guys, that'll be it for this show. Thanks again for listening. For, Kyle, for Aaron Torres, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.